Hello, everyone, and welcome to Dream Leapers Inspiration. I'm your host, Harriet Cole. So very happy to be with you today. How are you doing? What do you answer when people ask that question? What happens inside of your spirit when you get that question? How are you doing? It's an American question. You know, often you, you the knee-jerk response is, oh, I'm great. Everything's great. But really, how are you doing? I want you to ask yourself that. In this exact moment, what is your state of being? What's your state of mind? What's your physical state? How are you? And I hope that you are finding some sense of peace and joy. And if you don't feel that at this moment, that you can remind yourself that you can access it. I'm hoping that you can. I know that it's possible. Even in moments when you're like, eh, not feeling it, it is possible to access joy. And it's a choice. Today, I really want to talk about joy in a particular way. I had the incredible good fortune to spend the weekend with my family because my niece, Corey Morgan, got married. She's been with her partner uh, maybe four, four plus years. And they just jumped the broom, literally, <laughs> this weekend. Uh, they have, a, it's, it's sort of a weird thing to say, like a COVID baby. I don't mean it from the disease point of view, but just they have a beautiful daughter whom they had when everybody was on lockdown and she was in the wedding. And it was just a beautiful, beautiful experience to see the expressions of love and commitment and family and friends all gathered to acknowledge the beginning of this life and this family. So very naturally, I started thinking about marriage and union and what does it mean? And what is it? what does it mean to make that journey with someone? You know, this year, my husband and I celebrated 30 years of marriage, long time. And even at that many years, we revisit what does it mean to be married? People that I know of all different numbers of years of being in a committed relationship, whether it's marriage or whatever that commitment looks like, to make it work requires revisiting it, revisiting it, looking at what is that commitment. Honestly, looking at it on a daily basis is a great thing to do because it helps you to recognize the potential in the moment as opposed to just, well, this is how it always is, so it is what it is. But no, what about every day you wake up, there's an opportunity to refresh the way that you carry yourself, the way you live your life, and the way that you share your life with someone else. And so when you observe a wedding and see the coming together of two souls in such a precious way, with such great intention, I don't know, for me, it became a true reminder of what the possibilities are, and also 
a reminder of the job that each of us has in order to be in the moment, in alignment with whatever we believe is important for how we live our lives. So whether you are married in a committed relationship or not, I hope that this moment that we spend together on inspiration will help you to look with fresh eyes at how you live and how you engage others. But I am gonna focus on um, marriage. I remember many years ago, I had the opportunity to spend time with Ruby Dee and Ossie Davis. Some of you may remember them. They were an incredible couple, uh, both actors and activists, African-American who grew up during, well, they were adults at the point of the civil rights movement. They were very active in that space and also pioneers in terms of being on film and stage. And I had been in their company a number of times, but this particular time they had just written a book about their life together. And it was at the 50th anniversary of them being married, 50 years. And you know, first of all, some people don't even live that long to be in a relationship for so very long. But in this case, they were, and they had a joyful bond. And, and so the question I asked, which even was addressed in their book is, you know, how did you do it? What makes it work to be in a relationship for that long, to be committed day after day, year after year for that long? And Ruby D said to me that their belief was as long as one person out of the two is willing to fight for the relationship, then it has a chance. One person has to want it. One person has to be willing to do whatever the work is. Otherwise, it's not going to work. If she said both partners at any given moment are done, you know, I'm, I'm not for this anymore, I'm not doing it anymore, then there's no hope. But if one is willing to fight, then there's hope. I thought that was beautiful. And having been many, many years myself and uh, being married, I understand that. Because if you tell the truth, there are plenty of times, there are dips and there, there are hills and valleys. And it's what's interesting, I remember uh, when my husband and I got married, there was, I think it was the minister who made the comment about being on the path together and that in a, in a reflective relationship, you get to see things about yourself through your partner's eyes. Sometimes you may not even want to see those things, right? Like, oh, wait, is that me? No, no, that's you. When a lot of the reflectiveness that occurs in a union is something that can be difficult to see. Now, think of it even in friendships. When you're in a long time friendship with someone, sometimes you think things that irritate you about your friend, well, that's what that person is doing. When 
in actuality, it might be something you're doing that's reflected back to you. So how do you navigate that? How do you work through that? How do you get to the other side of a challenge? Not always easily. But there's a kind of long quote that I found from the prophet Khalil Gibran that I want to share with you and unpack together because I thought it was just so very beautiful. Um, he, he wrote this book called The Prophet. I don't know how long ago, but it's a book that I remember my father would occasionally pull out The Prophet to share with us. Um, and I'm going to tell you what this says right here. Let there be spaces in your togetherness and let the winds of the heavens dance between you. Love one another, but make not a bond of love. Let it rather be a moving sea between the shores of your souls. That is so beautiful. Let me read it to you again. Let there be spaces in your togetherness and let the winds of the heavens dance between you. Love one another, but make not a bond of love. Let it rather be a moving sea between the shores of your souls. Okay, so let's unpack this. Let's go first, first thought here. Let there be spaces in your togetherness. So think about it in your relationship now, for those of you who are in a relationship. Do you feel like you always have to be up on top of each other? Do you feel like every, you have to do everything together except for those times when you are at work or you have an appointment or you have something that you have to do? Are you that person who feels like you, you need to be stuck like glue? And if so, does your partner feel the same way? Or have you tried having space between each other so you do you, your partner does them, and together you do the two of you. And if you haven't, what happens if you pause and try it? Because yes, there is this notion of two becoming one, but you still are yourself. And how do you feed your spirit so that you remain fully you and bring that fullness of you to the relationship. Let there be spaces in your togetherness. I know um, in for me, I travel a lot. Now COVID was that a pause when we weren't able to travel much and now I'm back to traveling again. But so there's a sort of ebb and flow of movement that literally occurs uh, for us because I'm on a plane, I'm going here, I'm going there. Um, there's the rejoicing when you come home. There's the sharing of experiences that you had when you were somewhere else and your partner was, or your partner was somewhere else, or you both were. Let there be spaces in your togetherness. You having the ability to explore what makes you, you taking nothing away from your partner, but ensuring that your spirit is filled in the ways that are necessary. And then Gibran says, and let the winds of the heavens dance between you. Okay, let's think about a storm 
for a minute because we know that life is filled with sunshine and storms. And I'm going to go back to my niece's wedding. We literally traveled to the destination on uh, our family's boat. And as we're going through the water, at a certain point, it got windy. And so already there's a lot of, because you're moving, there's wind, there's movement of the air. But as we got closer to the destination space, that location apparently is just always windier. And so the wind is whipping and whipping and whipping. And my sister now puts think, um, covers on, over our hair so our hair wouldn't be literally all over the place. You feel the wind against your skin. And it was beautiful. And then one of the days we were there, there was just a big storm. Pow, it just came out, it felt like it came out of nowhere. Now, because we get weather reports, we knew it was coming. But literally the sky darkened, boom, and then whoosh, this incredible um, downpour occurred that was preceded by wind. And this notion of, and let the winds of the heavens dance between you. Nature is bigger than we are. Anybody paying attention knows that it's bigger than we are. Wind is powerful. Khalil Gibran is, is taking this understanding of the wind, invoking grace. The, let the winds of the heavens dance between you. Sometimes there's a lot going on. Let it happen. Let that dance between you. Don't let it pull you apart but let it be because it's bigger than you. And sometimes those winds have to dance and move. Kipran says, love one another, but make not a bond of love. So a bond. See, sometimes we talk about marriage and unions and commitment as a bond. And I remember watching my niece and her husband holding hands and seeing the tenderness between the two of them in their hand holding. And that's a bond. But there's also this sense of like bonding like glue, like being stuck, being, being so tightly connected that you cannot move. And Khalil Gibran says, love one another, but make not a bond of love. Let it rather be a moving sea between the shores of your souls. I'm going to repeat that. Love one another, but make not a bond of love. Let it rather be a moving sea between the shores of your souls. Because I was just at the water's edge, and I, I see this image so beautifully. Um, we docked our boat in the passageway that came into this marina where we were staying. And so we could see all the traffic of the boats, all the boats that were coming in and out. And it was interesting to see the water is gentle and calm when the boats move slowly. Still moving. But this notion of being a moving sea between the shores, <coughs> pardon me, of your souls. 
there were two shores. There was one side we were on, one side was on, on, over across the water. And this constant flow of water with stillness on either shore. It was really beautiful. It also, as I was looking at this quote, it reminded me of other shores where I've been and noticed the movement of the water, noticed the safety or lack thereof in that, those spaces. Sometimes at the shoreline, it can be rocky and the water can slam up against it and be really, really challenging, which I think all of that is in what Khalil Gibran is saying. You wanna let your love be a moving sea between the shores of your souls, understanding sometimes the sea movement is violent. And when I say that in relation to people, I'm hoping, praying, we're not talking about physical violence, but more talking about emotional, you know, what happens is that in marriage there's ups and downs and sometimes it's very intense, right? Um, good morning, good morning, good afternoon. Hello to everybody who's joining now and watching on demand. I just see that Kimberly Harry joined, welcome. Um, I want you to think about, imagine if you've been on a shoreline using this imagery of let the sea be, let it be a moving sea between the shores of your souls. I remember one time being in Brazil and there was this little, um, like what is it, cul-de-sac? That's not what it's called on the water, but I can't remember what it's called. But anyway, sort of a semicircle, kind of this protected space um, that helped you come to shore. It was not super wide, but it looked so safe, so serene and uh, calm. And I remember I was there for work and we were just having a moment. And my colleague and I were hanging out in the water and we just went out into the water a little bit and almost instantly I got pulled under. I understand what it means to, uh, to be in the undertow. I didn't understand that before. Like you can get caught in the undertow, like the way that the water pulls back as it's going out to shore, you know, in and pulls back out. It was so intense that it rolled me over and pulled me out into the water really, really, really fast. And I'm a pretty good swimmer. It didn't matter. It wasn't about swimming. It was scary to be sure. Uh, if you had been standing at that water's edge, you absolutely would not think for a second that there was any turbulence underneath. Um, and I was pulled out, 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 further, further. It was very quick and it was very intense. And I remembered, I don't remember where I learned this, but I remembered, be still, let go, stop fighting just float, attempt to, at this point, I would think I was under the water, but stop fighting, 
allow yourself to come to the surface and just be still. And if you can do that, you're going to be okay. Much, much, much easier said than done. If any of you has ever been in the undertow, it is all kinds of scary and you feel like you're drowning and you definitely know that you don't have any control. You, the, the movement of the water is much more intense than whatever you think you can do, which is why they tell you to just let go. Just let go, just be, just be still. And that's what I did. And when I let go and stopped fighting, eventually the water, the movement of the water brought me back to shore. There's, there were so many lessons in that moment. Um, I, I want to tell you that I was being safe. I wasn't being reckless. There was no sign that said what to watch out for. Maybe, I mean, I have no idea. All, all I can tell you is that it happened. But I'm remembering it now because there's also something very powerful and poignant about a committed relationship and your willingness sometimes to stop fighting, let go, ride the tide, be in the moment, understand that if you can just be at peace with yourself, you can inspire peace in the moment. Khalil Gibran says, let, let your love be a moving sea between the shores of your souls. Sometimes that movement is very gentle. Just, just like the lapping of the water at the shore, very gentle. And for any of you who spend time at the water's edge, you know what I'm talking about. And, and because I know many of you know me, I call my happy place, uh, our beach community in Sag Harbor. I spend most of my summers there working and being and many, many, many days at the water's edge. That water is a bay, so it's very gentle. But what Khalil Gibran is talking about is not just gentle waters. He's talking about life and these, this comparison between being in nature and be, between the winds and the water and the shore. I love these comparisons because he is looking at nature, which is bigger than any of us. And yet, having the reflection about how can you learn from nature and use those lessons in your life. And I'm going back to this, let it rather be a moving sea between the shores of your souls. Yeah, let's read it again. Let there be spaces in your togetherness. Let there be spaces in your togetherness and let the winds of the heavens dance between you. So beautiful. Love one another, but make not a bond of love. Let it rather be a moving sea between the shores of your souls. So the moving sea, it comes in and out. It's not always, it's not stagnant water, right? It moves in and out. It it, there is a flow that that saying go with the flow 
Like it comes from the actual understanding of the flow of water. And sometimes the flow of water is tremendous. It's powerful, like I described when the undertow pulled me. And if I had stayed fighting with that undertow, what would have happened? I may have drowned. That's what happens to people in undertow sometimes. Because I let go and surrendered and trusted, that's a big part. He wasn't surrendering with the belief, well, this might be the end. Not at all. It was surrendering to the power of the water and to faith that I would be okay if I just allowed myself to be. Imagine if you use that understanding in your relationship rather than fighting whatever the battle might be because you know you could sometimes the fight just ignites more and more and more and more intensity and can end up having you spiritually drown because of the undertow instead of that let go allow the moving sea to do what it does and to remain a moving sea, as Kilio Gibran says, between the shores of your souls. Understanding that means two different places, your shore, your partner's shore. And this moving sea this, is this flow, this lifeblood between the two of you. I loved this quote so much when I found it because it's rich, it's deep, and it's something actually you and your partner can contemplate together. Let there be spaces in your togetherness and let the winds of the heavens dance between you. Love one another, but make not a bond of love. Let it rather be a moving sea between the shores of your souls. I wanna to say to all of you who have not read the prophet yet, read it now. It is powerful. It is insightful. There's so many sentences, thoughts that you can study, you can chew on, that are really rich in imagery. And when you study them, you can look at them and see, what does this mean for my life? How can I use some of this inspiration as guideposts for my life? And as I was thinking about marriage, thinking about my niece, making the beautiful and brave choice to get married and witnessing all of the incredible outpouring of love that came to support her and her husband, I thought of all of us. You know, there's something about a wedding, again, whether you're in a couple, in a couple relationship or not, that pure joy, that love, that sense of potential is not just meant for the couple, but for every single person who is there. And you can take that energy with you and help to make your life better, to make your life sweeter. And I think that this notion of togetherness and flow that Khalil Gibran is talking about is such a great metaphor for life. 
it absolutely can work in a marriage. It can also work in friendships, close relationships. You don't have to always be up underneath of each other. It's helpful to have space between you and your loved ones, not meaning that you're disconnected, you're connected. It's so incredibly helpful to understand that some things are bigger than you and how you look at them makes all the difference in the world. Like this image of let the winds of the heavens dance between you. Even when there's lightning, when there's thunder, when there's black clouds and tremendous deluge of water, where's the rainbow? So often the rainbow comes. Do you look for it? Do you look for a rainbow in your relationships? If you don't, start doing it now. It works. Your outlook, your attitude, and your understanding that some things are bigger than you and that you can, you don't give into them, you let it be for a moment and trust. Have faith and remain committed. And then it really can work and be sweet. And so I encourage all of you to chew on this quote a little bit more. It's very powerful. Go get yourself a copy of The Prophet. And until next time, have a great day and make it count. Namaste.